Somewhere in the dark and nasty regions where nobody goes stands an ancient castle. Deep within this dank and uninviting place lives Burke. Hello! Overworked servant of the thing upstairs. Burke, me! But that's nothing compared to the horrors that lurk beneath the trap door. For there is always something down there. In the dark, waiting to come out. And welcome to SMPD, the podcast where we look back at the cartoons that shaped our childhood. This episode, we're going through the trapdoor. Yeah, trapdoor, um, for me, it was it's right about the time, the age it was aimed at, I think was probably a little bit older than I was when it first aired, but I remember it so vividly because it was it was very bright. Mm. Um, I said the, the characters were very distinctive. You didn't see a lot of skeletons and monsters and stuff on that sort of show in yeah, the yeah. kids of that age. Um, and I think I'd have been about three or four when this this aired. Um, yeah, we are going back quite a way. I mean, I was very young when yeah, Trapdoor I mean, was on as well. It, we are looking at what early, well, very early eighties. It was here. made in eighty four. It first aired in eighty six. Um, that late? Well, so I was I was five then. Yeah, so, so. It, it aired in the afternoons. Um, in CITV wasn't it? It was CITV, and then it came on Motormouth, which was the Saturday morning show. Yeah. Um, yeah. So it it, um, it had a, a second yeah uh, a second boat. But I remember seeing it on both of them because it was. Um, I'd have been about three or four, so I'd have been in nursery um, and used to half days. So I'd come home in the afternoon trapdoor, and trapdoor would be the first thing on. Yeah. Um, so I rem- that's why I remember. And it, it was one of those, it wasn't like anything else. So you think no. of things like um, the stuff we've talked about before and things that were on the same time, things like He-Man and Transformers and the, things like that. They were a lot bigger, a lot grander, but they were drawn and mm. they were very bright and colourful. You had these big characters, like, you know, Battle Cat and Get Optimus Prime. You didn't have anything that was small and a little bit weird. Yeah, it, it definitely was a little bit offbeat. It's very, I mean, for want of a better description, it, it's just very British. It is. It's, it, it really, it's got a very British sensibility and a very British sense of humour. And even, yeah, the animation style, it's that kind of claymation sort of animation, um, that almost kind of stop frame effect, which which was really popular over here in kind of the late 70s yeah. when you're looking back at things like uh, your bagpusses and your clangers and, and even down to even though it was more drawn, things like your Captain Pugwash, where you've got that almost stop-frame jerky yeah. animation. That's right. And you look at um, you look at Trapdoor, and um, one of the creators actually went on to work with Ardman for quite a long time. That on, makes a lot on, of sense. On the Wallace and Gromits. Yeah, yeah. I think there's six Wallace and Gromits the guy's done. He did Chicken Run and stuff like that. So I mean, there's a very definite style that carries yeah. through. And it's not just the fact that it's, it's claymation, it's the, the design of the art. No, things like the eyes. The, the eyes in animation are crucial. Yeah, because getting you know, getting things to blink in time and things yeah, like that—that's yeah. absolutely insane. The amount of work that goes into that, but you can see that sort of style being quite an early version of the style. Then, as Ardman evolves and their their things, their product becomes more sophisticated. Mm-hmm. You kind of see the early parts of there, and this is this is kind of like their trial run. Yeah. Um, so yeah, it's it's something that I remember very fondly, and as as, as we talk about, it, so there were there are a few things that will jump out, and as we've been. Doing the research for this, we're like, oh fuck yeah, I forgot about that. Yeah, there is a there are a lot of things I think that have even permeated culture. To when you look at uh, Monster Munch packets, for instance, when you look at like the flaming hot Monster Munch yes. and they've got the red monster on it, that is from Trapdoor. Yeah, they make no reference to it on the packet at all. No, but I mean, it's not even like that looks like the red monster from. No, it that is the red monster. Is the red monster from Trapdoor? How the fuck they got away with that? If, I don't know. If people hadn't realised that, don't sue us, sue Walkers or whoever makes Monster Munch. Yeah, we're None just pointing it out. We're I mean, just a mess. God's sake, don't it like if if. If you sued them and they stopped making Monster Munch, like that's it for me. I'm <laughs> like I'm giving up. But yeah, we're just the messengers. Um, but yes, I mean it's it's one of those that you don't sort of think about that often because you don't think of it as having the same sort of cultural impact. You think you think of things like Transformers. Transformers is still massive. You had the film franchise. You had computer games. You always had T-shirts and belt buckles with Autobot and Decepticon logos, things like that. He Man's never gone away. Thundercats never gone away. Stuff like this was so, on such a small scale. It was, but then I think also, yeah, it, it was never merchandise that level, but there was a lot of trapdoor merchandise. Yes. And, and also, I think when 
like when we talk to people about this podcast, there are certain shows that will keep reoccurring. When are you doing this? When are you doing yeah. that? When are you doing the other? Trapdoor is one of those shows. And it's one of those shows that for a small group of people, yeah, it will be very fondly remembered. I mean, I've had the opposite experience of that where people have asked what we're doing and I've gone, oh, we're doing Trapdoor. Oh, fuck yeah. I remember that. They, exactly. That's what and it's, so people, aren't yeah. ask, people aren't asking for it. They're asking for when we're doing real Ghostbusters. Yeah. Oh, and when we're doing things like that. But as soon as we say, and it was the same when we did Button Moon and we've done, that um, we did Inspector Gadget as an earlier one, people, as soon as you mention it, people go, oh, yeah. yeah. And they don't realise that they actually want to hear about it. And then once you do it, oh, fuck yeah, I remember that. It's, we've talked about this before, but it's, it's that nostalgia effect as well of like, yeah, you might, you might not instantly go to Trapdoor when somebody asks you to, to name a cartoon from your childhood. Yeah. But if somebody gets you started on Trapdoor, you, all of these things will come back and there will be a very fond remembrance of it. Yeah. And sometimes that remembrance is greater than the actual show itself, as yeah. we've discussed. And sometimes, you know, you, you go back and watch these things and you find out that actually, yeah, they are just as good as you remember them being. Yeah. Um, and to be honest, I think Trapdoor is one of those shows. It's still... It's still out there now. Like it's widely available. If you've got Amazon Prime, yeah, it's on there. It's there. Yeah, it's it's available the on iTunes. Thing. It's available on DVD. It's available free on YouTube. There's a Trapdoor channel. Yeah, I mean, it's, it's, it's still it's, there. Yeah, it's still widely available. And that, that's a very good thing. And I think more more shows of this ilk will do that. Whereas the, the bigger ones won't do that because they want to sell copies. Well, they're able to do that. So it'll yeah. be on Prime. It'll be on Netflix where you're paying to see it and they're getting paid. Mm. Put it on YouTube. No fucker gets paid. But at least it's out there. Yeah. So stuff like this is what's happening. Um, so for those of you who don't remember, we have waffled a little bit. For those who don't remember Trapdoor, um, The Trapdoor, not Trapdoor, The, the Trapdoor. Trapdoor yeah. uh, it's a British animated television series, um, originally shown in the UK in, in 1984. Plot revolves around the daily lives and misadventures of a group of monsters living in a castle. Uh, although the emphasis was on humour and the show was marketed as a children's programme, it drew much from horror and dark fantasy. That was, I'll stop there for a minute. That's quite, it's quite a big leap to from children's entertainment of a prime time variety that's a half three yeah. four o'clock slot for children which is the equivalent of a nine o'clock yeah. prime time show for adults quite a big leap to have a dark horror yeah. children's program and, and those elements are there like we talked about how how kind of weird and offbeat it is and, yeah. and some of that comes from the humour but some of it as well, like especially the opening and closing credits they're, yeah. they're quite frightening yeah, to be fair it's, it's quite easy to see why Especially younger children would be frightened. Yeah. I mean... I mean, it's played for laughs. Yeah. But those credits aren't. That's it. <laughs> and I think you look at sort of the way that very small children will do this. I mean, I, my mother will tell anybody this. And my brother used to hide behind the sofa when Grot Bags came on. Yeah, I'm guilty of that as well. Grot be- Bags used to terrify me. Because no, it's, it's a, a rather large grandmotherish figure who's fucking green and evil. Yeah. So that's one note. So to have something like that will scare children... To go that one step further and have clay monsters that are coming out of a trapdoor and for which you might have had a basement, you yeah. might have had a cellar. It, it it's that primal which which a lot of good creature feature horror is based on as well. It's that primal fear of the other and, and the yes. dark and what what's down there. Like that is not normal. I mean, it's right, it's right there in the song. What's down there? Yeah, there is a dark hole yeah. that things crawl out of, That's and you it. don't know what they are. And like, yeah, Burke is is quite a quite a cheery friendly design of a character he's not scary in any way nor is bony even though he's a skeleton like he's yeah. he's a bit dry and stuff but he's not he's not really frightening yeah for being well, some of the things that come some of the things that come out especially where sort of the, you get things like the, where they're trying to open the door from under generally burke will leave the door open and things will come through but every now and again there are some that will open the door from underneath mm-hmm. and you'll just get a claw or some you know some talons coming through yeah and that's fucking frightening for a child it, part of this i've no doubt is budgetary Oh yeah, but there was always a there was always a thing where very rare did you see a whole monster. Yeah. so a lot of it would be left to your imagination, which again comes back to that. You know, really good horror does that to you as well. It lets you fill in the blanks. Yeah, and you know, short of things like the red monster, or there was a gorilla as well. Yeah, his name. Yeah, there were a couple you had which were there were a couple which almost became sort of recurring yeah, characters. Yeah, you, you had some characters that you did see. Yeah. Um, Rog was another one. Was that the gorilla? I can't remember. Um, I remember him on a fight with the big red monster at the, the end of the last episode. Yeah, that, that's the gorilla thing. Right. Um, but there's, um, you know, more often than not, it would be some tentacles or a yeah. shadowy shape. Yeah, or... you'd never see the whole thing. No. But I think that's part of the appeal. And you, you look at, um, well, certainly one of my favourite examples with films, that if you look at Cloverfield, 
Cloverfield was really scary and atmospheric until you saw the fucking monster. Yeah. Same as things like Jeepers Creepers. Once you know it's a fucking overgrown scarecrow, it doesn't really scare you anymore. Yeah, yeah. When you can't see it and it's just fucking picking you off. Yeah. That's the thing. And you that's what, you know, you claw back to things from your childhood where you're sleeping in an old house and the pipes all rattle. Yeah. The floorboards creak for no reason. And the wind blows the curtains yeah. and, the fun, and you get funny shadows. It's that sort of thing that just immediately pops away because you don't know what it is. And you immediately start trying to make connections that aren't there. Yeah. Which is then when you get the fucking weird stuff. Um, so yeah, um, since it went off the air, it's become a cult favourite. remains one of the most widely recognised family entertainment shows in the 80s. Um, Digital Children's Channel Pop started rerunning the show in 2010. And both the first and second seasons are available on Amazon Prime and iTunes, as we said. So there's still a lot of love for the show. Yeah, and, and it's understandable. It is a very lovable show, yeah. I think. That is that is the best description of it. it. Even though it's got this horror kind of element to it, it, it gives you the warm fuzzies. Or it does for me, anyway. Yeah, and I mean, I, I can't imagine... I mean, if you look at it in terms of the stuff that's on TV now, um, it's all very bright, it's very colourful. There's nothing that's overly scary because apparently traumatising children is bad. Who knew? Yeah. Um, so, you know, you get stuff like Peppa Pig, and Ben and Holly and things like that. And they're very nice and very safe. I can't imagine showing something like this to Jess and letting her sit there and watch it on her own. Yeah. Because yeah. it would scare the shit out of her. Yeah. So she doesn't sleep as it is. You have a fucking nightmare. I mean, there is there is a direct comparison that can be drawn there, I think, to something like Peppa Pig as well because because Trapdoor was very much a show of that ilk. You know, it, it's unfair to compare it to, say, a He-Man or a Transformers because those were sort of 20 to 25-minute yeah. action-adventure shows with yeah, densely... But it compared to Trapdoor, densely populated casts of characters and plots and things. Yeah, like. yeah so then you had, you had a story arc and things like yeah, that. Yeah, whereas Trapdoor was... They were like four or five minutes a yeah. clip. And it was... I mean, it was the same setup every week without a shadow of a doubt. Burke would leave the Trapdoor open. He'd be doing something for him upstairs, cooking dinner or whatever... He would forget to close the trapdoor. Something would get out. They'd all run around, almost in a Benny Hill-esque style, yeah. run around trying to catch this monster and get it back into the trapdoor, and then normality, yeah. you know, resumes. And, and that would be it. There was no genius plot at work here. It was, but, but you don't need it. And I, I think you're right. If you look at the stuff that's around today, I mean, we've talked about this before. How you don't get that many of the big episodic um, show pe- uh, so, um, set pieces, mm. things like E-Man. You get five minutes of a story that has a start, middle and end, you have a problem and a resolution and that's it. And in five yeah. minutes you all go back to normal. Everybody's singing each nice more laughing or not rolling or laughing. Yeah. That's how it ends every every week because that's what no, that's how you engage children. And as a result of I think that we've talked before about children's attention spans and I think that's slightly detrimental and slightly insulting to children. Mm. But you only because you don't have a mix now whereas well, the things we're looking at, well, we are looking at, like Trapdoor is at four or five minutes. Yeah. But you did have things either side of it which were bigger or longer and more complex. Yeah, yeah. And it gave children credit, whereas now they don't get that. I mean, you look at stuff that, I mean, digital TV has been a, a wonderful thing for children's television because there's always something on. I mean, CBB starts at six in the morning and finishes at seven in the night. I think um, the CBBC channel, which is for older kids, mm-hmm. I think that runs for longer. Um, but there's always stuff on and that has more older and more age-appropriate content, because we only had three or four channels at the time, you had to have things that catered for young children and older children. Yeah, there had to be a mix. So younger children would be exposed to things like He-Man and Thundercats, mm. which weren't necessarily the most suitable things. But the things that you, that stuck, stuck. And the things that went over your head, you'd understand anyway, and didn't really mean anything. Yeah. But it just gave more of a... It had more of an impact. Whereas now you don't get that, because from the age of you know, wherever you plunk your kids in front of the TV until they're about seven or eight, they're watching shows aimed at young children yeah so they don't get that experience and by the time they get to the older shows they, they can't sit for 20 minutes yeah they can't sit through a human they haven't conditioned because, to do it yeah, yeah. they've been conditioned to sit there for 5 minutes and go to something else 5 mm-hmm. minutes and go to something else uh, we've um, we bought Jess a, a Kindle for Christmas and it's got a child module on it and you can you can set what they can watch and put the parental controls on it and you know, she can't do anything that's you know, not age appropriate but the way they package it is they'll give you two Ben and Holly so you click on Ben and Holly and you have two episodes click on Peppa Pig you have two episodes and that's at most nine minutes because yeah. that's about the limit of what your yeah, average five-year-old will take. Yeah. And then as, as you get into the older then you'll have it. But by the time you've got there, they're not used to doing it, so they won't be able to do it. No. I mean, we, you know, we put films and things on and no Jess loves Frozen and Cinderella and stuff like that. But she'll only sit down for two minutes yeah. and then it'll be on and she'll have half an hour and she'll be playing with something else because that's the way her brain works. Mm. So it's, 
it's a double-edged sword, really. I mean, the way that it's put together, I think for if you can tell a story in that short time, great, because if you can tell it in two minutes, what's the point in taking 20? Yeah, I agree. Economy of story is always better, but I, I think Trapdoor didn't have any delusions of grandeur in as much as it wanted to tell these these great overarching stories. It was, it was fun. first and foremost, fun. It was a comedy show, and it worked. It did work on multiple levels. Like, yeah, it was short enough to keep a preschooler's attention. And it was and it bright was, and shiny. And it was bright and shiny, and there were some sight gags in there. But then even watching it now as an adult, some of the humour in there yes. is, I, I'm i hesitant to call it sophisticated because it's not, <laughs> but there are gags that will work there on an adult level. Yeah. And particularly being British and being of the 80s, it is very, ooh, misses. Yes. You know, there is a lot of innuendo in there. I mean, Burke, for instance, has a fondness for bonking things. Yes. He will frequently say he's going to bonk something. Yeah. Which... He means he's going to twat it with a mallet. Yeah, but... he, yeah he means he's going to hit it. But if... I mean, obviously, for, for listeners overseas, maybe the term doesn't translate, but bonking to us is a very polite way of saying you're going to fuck something. Yeah. That's so, it. and yeah, there, there was lots of stuff. I mean, it's, it's, it's a very, it's sort of an almost gentle Python um, device. Yeah. Where you'll, you'll, you'll take a word that's not really right, but you'll turn the shoehorn in and you'll make it a joke. You'll make a joke out of it. And then, that's as I say, same with like Pixar do it and Disney do it and DreamWorks do it. Adults will get it. And yeah. they'll have a, have a little snicker to themselves, but they won't let on to the kids because they'll have to explain to the kids what they're what laughing is. at. Yeah, yeah. The kids will have no fucking idea what's going on. No. But it doesn't mean anything to them. And as they get older, as we've done with some of the shows we watch, you get back and go, fuck it, I remember doing that. Yeah. But but even then, we've, we've re-watched some of these shows, and that stuff is, is quite explicit. Yes. Like, they, they really do tread a very fine line, particularly in some of the more animated shows. But with this, it's still kind of innocence. Like I say, it is that kind of Benny Hill carry on, yeah. away, titty not kind of humour. It's yes, you know, it's not even if the kids didn't know what it was, it's polite enough to not really cause any offence. Yeah, exactly. You know, that's it. So I mean, yeah, it's it's interesting when you look at the evolution of certainly British children's comedies, and that just sort of died away. By the time you got to about sort of the early nineties, there was none of that. Everything was very safe, and everything was very American. The way that sort of children's yeah. sitcoms emerge and things like that. I mean, there was also by the time the nineties rolled around as well. We, everything had to have attitude in the nineties, and everything had to be in your face. And because of that, you couldn't, you can't be in your face with this kind of humour. No, because then you're literally going to have to present kids with phrases like "I'm going to go over there and fuck that thing." Yeah. Instead of "I'm going to get my stick out and bonk it." Yeah. That's because it. there's no subtext in the nineties. Everything was the extreme nineties, and everything's in your face. That's it. So yeah, it's um yeah, so it's, it's an interesting one. Um, just some background on the show. Um, it was created by um, Terry Brain and Charlie Mills. Um, produced their own companies, uh, CMTV Animation and Queensgate Productions. Uh, Brain and Mills um, also did Stop It and Tidy Up. Um, oh, which, I did not realise that. Um, yeah, it was uh, in the late eighties. I don't. I vaguely remember. I remember the name more than the actual yeah, content. Yeah. Um, and Bumpy Elephant in the uh, 90s, which I don't remember at all. No. Um, but by the time that came on, I was probably not looking at stuff that was aimed at younger children. Yeah, yeah. Um, there's a stop motion movies in the works from the same people that uh, was never made called The Pudding. Um, and then once they parted ways, Terry Bray went on to work for Ardman, as I said. So he did Six Walls and Gromit films, Chicken Run, Gogs, and Creature Comfort. So all the stuff they've done, which looks very similar to this, yeah. has its roots in this. You can kind of see where it's come from. Um, so a total of 25 episodes uh, were made in 1984, with each episode running for four minutes. In 1986, when the show proved successful, the second series produced and aired with 15 more episodes of similar runtime, so 40 episodes in total. I don't remember, I can't pick out 40 episodes, because no, they're all kind of the they're same. They're all the same. I mean, I, I, really I, I've gone back to YouTube and watched probably three or four to do this, and I, th I think I picked fairly poorly, because they all had their Red Monster, and I think you've only in about five episodes, but they all had mm. the same uh, one in. Um... But yeah, so I mean, the 40 episodes, but again, 40 times 4 minutes doesn't sound like a lot, but when you think that's every time somebody blinks, you're probably talking about 7 frames of, uh, a lot. of movement. Yeah. That's a long time to produce. So the, the actual level of output is quite impressive as well. Mm. Um, Burke, Boney, and the character, uh, most character voices were provided by Willie Rushton, who's a cartoonist, satirist, comedian, and uh, co-founded Private Eye with um, Ian Hislop. And Nick Shipley provided the voices of Drudge, The Thing Upstairs, and some other characters. Um, the recognizable theme song was written by Scottish songwriter Bob Heatley, who also wrote Shaking Stevens' hit Merry Christmas to Everyone, um, and also one of the pop hits of the 80s, Japanese Boy, sung by Annika. 
which probably wasn't racist or stereotypical at all. No, no, I'm sure um, it wasn't. I don't know it. I'm not going to try and find it and sing it. So if you want to know, find it on Spotify or wherever else you get music from and let us know. Yeah, I've never heard it either. It's probably quite offensive to Japanese yeah. boys, I would assume. Um, the vocal was provided by Zygote. Well, it's fine. They wouldn't be able to understand it. It's in English. That's <laughs> fine. Um, a 7-inch record and extended theme song released with a B-side featuring an instrumental song called Ghost Chase, performed by The Ghost Chasers, which is very original. Ghost Chasers was a film in the 80s as well, though, wasn't it? I don't know. This was a thing. There's a, there's a film called Ghost Chasers with a Muppety type character and a clock. Okay. I want to say... Right, we'll we'll look that up. We'll put the link on. A bunch, bunch of kids and like an, an old Muppety type character, and it had something to do with the clock, and it was called Ghost Chasers. That sounds awesome. Yeah, it was really good. Yeah, we'll we'll find the link. It, that it, there may be a variation on the title or an extension on oh, the title. Oh, it's definitely Ghost. Um, I'm but, sure it's Ghost Chasers. Yeah, we'll find the link. We'll put that up. You can see for yourself if you can find it on uh, online or however you get your uh, your viewing materials. I'm not going to judge, but have a look. Um. So yeah, so I mean, it's it's one of those you, you know you, you talk about um. A lot of the shows came up. We talked about Button Moon um, and some of the sort of the, the, the background behind that. That kind of came as a whim from a puppet show. Puppet show. Well, this was more of a, a planned. Um, yeah, it's Ghost Chase. Sorry. Ghost Chase, okay. not Ghost Chasers. Go, there is a film called Ghost Chasers. That's a different thing. I haven't seen that. Right. The film I'm talking about is Ghost Chase. Okay, near enough. And yeah, just it sounds straight awesome. from IMDb. In an old Hollywood mansion, the spirit of an old family retainer inhabits an old grandfather clock. I knew there was something about a clock in it's it. It's got right? a map in it. It's going to be good. It's got 4.1 stars out of 10 on IMDb. I haven't seen it since I was very, very young, I'll, but I'm yeah, really that. liking it. So. I'll, I'll give that a look. Um, Directed by Roland Emmerich. Oh, there you go. It's going to be quality then. Mm. Um, yeah, so, I mean... In terms of plot, as, as, as you said, it was all kind of the same every week, but that's how you do kids' shows. No, it, it, it's repetition. Kids kids will respond to it. Yeah, they will learn certain things, so they will they will learn not to leave the trapdoor open because Burke always does it and it always goes wrong. Yeah. Uh, they, they will they'll learn how to bonk things with sticks. Yeah, I, I don't think there was much actual educational value to trapdoor, to be fair. Uh, you can learn from anything. Um, yeah. You don't necessarily learn a good lesson, but you can learn from anything. Yeah. I mean, maybe maybe you learn that you know you have a skull inside your head by looking at bony. I don't know. Like, maybe don't you, learn, you learn, however, nice and good a character you are, or well, some twat Bobby telling you what to do. Well, yeah, there is we're definitely we're a hierarchy. In, yeah, yeah, definitely there is him upstairs. That's it. There's, there's always him upstairs, wherever upstairs is. Um, but the, the world of trouble is sorely inhabited with monsters, so no people, um, despite the fact that bony's a human's call. Yeah, it's a bit weird. Go figure. Sorely inhabited with monsters. Um, Almost all the action takes place in the castle, um, especially the pantry or the cellar where uh, Burke lives. Um, beneath the castle, are a series of dark and mysterious caverns, so uh, lots of lots of potential, lots of caves, lots of dungeons, mm-hmm. um, and it's inhabited by all manner of horrible things, accessible by the bottomless trap door. Um, the master of the castle, the thing upstairs, resides in the attic and remains unseen, um, shouting orders to Burke when he's hungry or annoyed. We um, do see parts. You see, yeah, you always see bits. Of it. I think that. That was kind of the joke, wasn't it? That you always there'd be a tentacle one week or a fang the week after, or there was always a different bit. So you couldn't actually work out what he what looked he looked like, like because yeah. nothing matched. It was all really incongruous. Yeah. So you'd have let's say you might have something with with you know, eight tentacles one week and then legs the next or claws or, yeah, or yeah. something, and it just kind of again it just throws you off because it gets the imagination work and again it's that thing of filling in the blanks. Yeah, I do remember him being described not. Not deliberate as well, like Burke saying, oh, this is what he looks like. But sometimes they'd have conversations and Burke would throw things out there like, oh, one of your other mouths, or which would suggest he had multiple mouths. Yeah, or like he'd multiple heads. That maybe or... he had multiple heads and things yeah. like that, yeah. So so he was kind of described as well, and you have to slowly build this picture up. I I didn't know this as a time as a child, but obviously looking back on it now and, and building the picture up in my head, he kind of looks a bit like Cthulhu to me, mm. um, with lots of tentacles and mouths. Yeah. And so, so, yeah. Who knows? Yeah, I mean, I say his parents are never revealed. We never actually see the whole of him. Um, But grotesque hints are dropped. So in um, the fourteenth episode, first series called "The Little Thing," and there's a lightning flash, and so you see spongy tentacles. Mm. Um, The same episode, um, Burke makes a comment with three eyes. Um, In in the previous episode, um, Bird asks which head contains a toothache. So he's got he's got multiple heads, which no. As a, we don't, and then the assumption then is going to be if you've got multiple heads, they're going to be big fucking tusks and fangs, they're not going to be mm. molars and the shit that we've got. Um, 
the um, the extractor tooth itself is two thirds the size of Burke. The size of Burke. So again, it's a big fucking fang. Um, How big is Burke though? Because you like you think he's quite big when you look at him because he's kind of ovoid and egg shaped, so he looks big. When you consider Drut as a spider. Drut is a spider. Um, I can't remember the name of the worm, but the worm is proportional to the spider. But the skull is about half of Burke's height. Well, this is what I'm saying, yeah. Because bo- either Boney's like a giant skull, so maybe that's why well, so, no, I, I, I said it's, I said it's a, a human skull or a humanoid skull, but it's actually kind of... I've always seen this because it's cartoon and it's just no, they've just done it for license. But it's kind of like that keyhole shape. Yeah, he's got a very elongated... Yeah, very elongated line. mandible. yeah. yeah. Um, and a wide um, cranium. Yeah, yeah. So I don't know. I mean, I, I don't know how big Burke's supposed to be, but if you look at it in proportion, he's always smaller than the fucking monsters coming through. Yeah. And the things that are chasing and all the rest of it. So I mean, that the the point of it is, I think that children will identify with him because he's small and there are bigger things that he answers to and bigger things that scare him. Wow, I'd never even thought of that. Well then, literature degree. Yeah. <laughs> um, but yeah, so I mean, that's that's kind of the way. Um, as I hadn't thought about that until we started looking through this but that is symbolically that's kind of where you where you place that yeah yeah definitely so Burke is always going to be a lot smaller um, but coming back to the thing upstairs just um, talking about his appearance um, there's an episode where Burke loses one of his eyes down the trap door and, he, um, and his master claims to have seen the events through that eye when he takes it back obviously he, he knows what's happened because yeah. he's seen it and obviously they've, they've done that in so many cartoons over the years where, yeah. like, um, I think in, in one of the Toy Stories, a potato head lost an eye and it was under the bed so they could see what was going on in the bedroom. Yeah, yeah. Things like that. So it, it's, it's, it's been well established as a, as a trope. Um, and then lastly, um, in the episode, the stupid thing is mentioned, the thing has three hands on his back and later he possesses wings. So I said, there's all these fucking terrifying elements yeah, and you put them all together and fuck off what you've got. Yeah, yeah. So I mean, the thing upstairs is that oh, it, it's a brilliant device Without going into too much detail. Yeah, he's, he's the evil overlord, essentially. Yeah. So, um, look, talking about some of the characters, I'm just talking about, no, we talked about Burke, so he's, he's a, an overlord blue character, has this thick West Country accent, um, which always makes me laugh. I mean, again, going back to how British it is, like, we understand that accent because we're British, and, and specifically, I mean, we're in South Wales, so we're not a million miles away from that accent's point of origin. Yeah. So it's an accent that we're in contact in and we can hear it. But, I always wonder how this show translates, because I know it has aired in other countries. It has. I mean, I don't think it's had a... Well, at the time of reading the, the, the list I've done, there wasn't much mention of it being broadcast in America, but being available on various platforms. You know, yeah. People will have seen it. People, you know, people will have emigrated and talked about it, and they will have picked up that way, if nothing else. To me, I kind of, if you think of America, I'd I liken it to sort of a, a northeastern accent as opposed to somewhere like New York or Washington, which is... Kind of, it's distinctively American but kind of neutral yeah and then you take it to the south somewhere like Louisiana where it's very thick yeah well, it's very thick and, and same thing here like the yeah. west country accent is, is very specifically the west country accent yeah. and I almost wonder if it needs subtitles when it goes <laughs> I really do when it goes broad because it is such a thick accent yeah, that's right. and, and it's, it's a very it's a very thick version of a very heavy accent mm. and I don't know if that's um, Willie Rushton's it's a, a, a variation of his natural voice, or whether it's a, an exaggeration or something he's put on completely from scratch. I don't know. Yeah. Um, but it'd be interesting to see because he did so many other voices as well. Yeah. And they didn't all have the same deep sounds and accents. Yeah. So it'd be quite interesting. But um, yeah, that always made me laugh. This thick accent. But um, the thing with Burke is that so you look at some of the other things, and yeah, they've said we had the, the big red monster, and you know, Burke was he. You always saw him in full. Yeah. Um, and you had that he was bright blue. It wasn't a case that he was blue. No, he was bright. He blue, was yeah, yeah. bright. And again, it's to make him more accessible to kids. He's not scary. He's not threatening. He's all bright and colourful, like that fucking ball you've got. Well, I mean, the accent like again does that. Yeah, it's you very can't friendly. Be threatening in a West Country accent. It's, no, that's, it's that's just right. Impossible. That's it. So I mean, that's the whole thing. That like, given the shape and the colour, small children will equate him to a balloon. Mm. Balloons are fun. Yeah. So yeah, yeah. I, again, it's it's, it's non threatening. And that's the way you hook him in because if you if you take him off the poster and you've just got the skull, the spider, the worm, and a, a trapdoor that's partially open with some eyes peeking out from underneath it, that's fucking scary. Yeah. And nobody's going to want to watch that. No, nobody's going to let their kids watch that. No. Because they're not going to know what the fuck's going on. Having this bright blue blob in the middle of it kind yeah. of places it very safely. Yeah, yeah, definitely. He is a very he is a very friendly character again it's that kind of warm fuzzy feeling you get a lot of it you get from Burke because he's comically inept and he's yeah. a little bit fat because he's ovoid and he's got this really thick 
friendly West country accent. That's and, I mean, you could say the most horrific things in the world in Burke's voice, and they would still come across as friendly. It is. Yeah, if, if Willie Rushton is uh, is listening, drops a line, we'll find something really offensive for you to say. Yeah. We'll see if it works. Yeah. Apologies if Willie Rushton is dead. <laughs> <laughs> um, but yeah, not only that, I mean, that's a, the other thing is that Burke has a regular job. He's the caretaker of Castle. Children will have his uh, caretaker at school. Yeah. True. So again, yeah. it's somebody friendly, somebody they can relate to. Now, ironically, when I was at school, the only sex education you had was a muttered warning about not going near the janitor. But... It's kind of that thing where people will relate because they will have a character like that they know. Yeah. Um, so again, it makes it that much more attainable mm. for children. And then having the thing upstairs, you know, it's like you know, it's like your mum and dad who tell you what to do. They tell you to brush your teeth. They tell you to tidy your bedroom. Yeah, yeah. I've got one of those as well. And that's kind of where where it buys in. It's a really interesting hook, and I hadn't really thought like I didn't as a child. And going back and sort of doing a bit of reading and rewatching, you kind of get some of the nuances they've used in the way that ways they've kind of try to bring children into it. Yeah. Because, I mean, you could just make a show about a castle with monsters in it. Well, as a child, that's what it is to us. Yeah. Um, and I think, you no, know, you can do that. And as a child, you'll go, oh, that's fun, or oh, that's funny, or that's silly, or I yeah. like that one, I like the skull that talks, because it's, you know, it's yeah. a bit unusual. As a parent, you're watching that going, oh, okay, yeah, I can see what they've done there, I can see why they're using it. Yeah. As a child, you, as it's it's a funny thing, it's a funny story about things getting out of a trap door and people running after it. And yeah. that's kind of all it is. So it's, it, it's interesting, and obviously, as say we write and we make things and looking at the sort of psychology and the way you, you put things together, I would never think of doing that for a child, for a children's no. product because no. No, I say it's for, it's for kids and not wish, not wishing to be demeaning. And we've talked about some of the, the subtleties and some of the, um, some of the techniques that have been used on other shows to engage with children. And it's a very important thing. Cause if you don't engage, they won't watch it. Mm. But you look at some of it, you go actually fucking that's really clever or really cynical. Yeah. But it works. But it works. Yeah. Yeah. yeah absolutely. So, um, yeah, so, I mean, um, Burke's a caretaker of Castle, has simple duties, you know, cleaning, cooking, etc. Um, Mostly cooking in the show. It's, it's almost always he's cooking dinner. That's yes. That's always the case. Yeah, cooking dinner and serving it to the thing upstairs. Yeah. yeah. Um, generally, he'll go down to the trapdoor, down into the trapdoor for an ingredient, because obviously don't keep and it in the kitchen. leaves the trapdoor open. Don't keep it in the kitchen, leave it in the dungeon. He leaves the door open, something gets out, and then he has to chase it. Sometimes the monster itself is the ingredient as well. That's been known to happen. He goes down, picks up. It's generally a smaller monster, something yeah. a bit skittery, yeah. and he'll bring it out, and he will close the trapdoor. But then this thing will escape, and yeah, it's already out. out. Catch it, and yeah. yeah, yeah. Yeah. So Jerry goes down there, fucks it up, and then spends the next two, three minutes trying to resolve it all. Yeah, and then goes back to his, his regular. All duties. the while being judged by Bony. So yeah, so I mean, it's quite funny because it's no, as I said, it's all the same sort of thing. Um, cooking, I, I don't know, as, as you having the show of this sort of sort of this of this type. It's, you know, it's never normal ingredients. It's never garlic and fucking cheese. It's eyeballs and slugs yeah, and yeah. mud and shit like that. Tentacles. Yeah, yeah, but for, again, for a kid, that's hilarious because you don't eat eyeballs. What are you on about that? Yeah, you know, yeah. It's funny. And it's a little bit gross. And it's, yeah, so, it's a little bit yeah, silly. Yeah. It's a little, bit, a little bit gross. And again, it's just part of that appeal because you know, if you've got the thing upstairs, it's a big frightening monster and he's eating spaghetti bolognese. Yeah. Don't get it. Well, yeah. So yeah, so we have that. Um, so but because of that, so things are kept below the trapdoor, so he's often warned not to open it. Um, so, Warned by his friends, forbidden by his master, but he does it anyway. Um, usual exclamations include, oh, gobbits, and sniff that. Now, sniff that. Who the fuck thought of that? Who <laughs> thought that was a good idea? I mean, again, <laughs> you know. <laughs> oh, shit. Yeah, I mean, that, that's kind of the child version of smell my shoes. Yeah. I mean, again, it was just innocent enough to get away with it. But what it's leading to is a gang of kids running around the playground going, sniff that. <laughs> <laughs> yeah and again it's that accent as well it's not just saying sniff that it's... That's, that's it and what you'll find is as well that kids will be doing that in the playground and the teachers will be going fucking mental yeah you can't say that stop it stop that stop. and the kids will what am I saying I don't understand what the problem is yeah and yeah they, they won't understand they're just saying something that a character on the TV says yeah and it's not as if they're, no, they're watching Shaft and every single motherfucker every two minutes they're saying sniff that because a little blue thing says and it. again it's just innocent enough that you can't really tell them off for no it. because you'd have to tell them why you're telling them off yeah that's it and it's the same as the, sort of the more adult jokes you can't tell them why you're laughing without explaining why it's yeah. funny and yeah. then innocence is gone so you just let it ride that's it but I'd imagine that in the 80s that was quite troublesome for a lot of teachers who didn't yeah. really want to want kids running around the playground trying to sniff that. <laughs> um, 
So yes, I mean that was Burke. Burke. It's one of those characters that say you you can eat you can easily forget about him as you grow up. I mean we've known we're in our thirties, mid to late thirties, unfortunately. Um, Don't kid yourself. I'm I'm very much in my late thirties. I'm, I'm still mid. I'm alright. Um, but yeah, so I mean, we remember this character fondly. But I mean, it, over the years, I've not thought of Trapdoor. I mean, somebody, somebody who mentioned Trapdoor, don't open that. or something down there. You, you have these associations, but you don't necessarily yeah. think of the show and the characters. It's not your go-to, is it? But I mean, even in the last of six, twelve months, you go to you no, know, you go to places and you see people in Trapdoor t-shirts. Yeah. And you no, know, there are various different. I mean, I. Well, I was somewhere a couple of weeks ago, and there was a trapdoor pencil case. I mean, this this show's been around for nearly forty years. Like I said, you got things like the Monster Munch. I mean, such is this show's imprint on me that I cannot see a skull, and I mean this, I cannot see a human skull, a disembodied skull, without instantly thinking of Boney. Mm. I, I can't, I can't hear the Yorick speech without without picturing Boney. I can't do it. Yeah. Anytime I see a skull on its own, I instantly think of Boney. Yeah, and I think part of that, coming on to Boney, um, Boney was always very well spoken as well. You talk about the Yorick speech. Yeah. And you kind of imagine that somebody stuffed their hand inside of a skull and is making, making, making that, the speech and making yeah, the head move at the same time. Because of the accent that Boney has, it's very well spoken. You can always imagine something like Kenneth Branagh doing a last boy Yorick. Yeah. Because that's kind of the way he sounds. Yeah. And there's no reason for him to have this upper class accent. N- at none all. at all. In as much as there's no reason for Burke to be from the West Country. Yeah. He just kind of is. He's just been given that accent. And like you say, you can almost see Kenneth Branagh holding the skull on stage going, that's poor Yorick. And Boney all of a sudden piping up and just yeah. talking Doing back the, to yeah. him. That's, that's it. Like, I would love to see that. Yeah. Why has um, that not been done? That's <laughs> such a... Um, but yes, I mean that, that's kind of the way they portrayed him, and they they made him kind of a polar opposite to um, to Burke. Obviously not physically, but Burke is kind of an idiot. He's kind of a bumbling fool. He he'll open the trap and leave it yeah. open. He makes mistakes. He gets it wrong. Boney is an intellectual. He's upper class. He's well spoken. He's kind of a bore. He's yeah, yeah. he's the, he's the he character you make fun boorish. of. Yeah, yeah. You you make fun of that character for being yeah, shit. Yeah. But he's there to highlight Burke's attraction. Yeah, yeah. Um, Dislikes being moved from his favourite spot, which is an alcohol on the wall near the trap door. Um, and he's often shown failing to warn Burke what things coming through it. I mean, to a point where he's kind of fucking useless. If, if he's the only warning system that something's coming through, he kind of fails miserably. I think that's part of his character as well. I don't think it's so much that he fails to warn Burke as he sees stuff and he's just like, no, it's not my problem. <laughs> so he's yeah, just, so somebody else will deal with that. Yeah, he's far what, too important. Yeah, what am I going to do anyway? I haven't got a body. Yeah, and, so. he, and he just wouldn't lower himself to shouting after Burke. Yeah, although it's quite funny though because he, he's always very, well, he's usually very straight-laced and very you know, very serious and every now and again he'll have these childish outbursts. Yeah. And you think, fucking hell, where did that come from? Yeah, yeah. Of course, uh, quite an interesting character because I think that had they had longer and they could have they could have focused even if it was just an episode they could have focused more on him. Where did he come from? Is yeah. What we why is he, why is yeah. he just a head? Where's his body? Yeah. Why is he a, a living skull? Yeah. yeah. You know, what no? What has he been through? Even if it's just one story where you know, he was discovered somewhere or he was involved in a battle with a monster that he lost. Yeah, I, I always kind of assumed, not as a child, but the more I think about it as an adult, I've always kind of taken the view that perhaps, because he's kept in the dungeon as well, or in the cell, yeah. so I've always taken the view that perhaps he's gone to vanquish the thing upstairs. And failed. And failed. And the thing upstairs taken prison. Yeah, and he's been taken prisoner. Yeah. So, I mean, it's, it's, it's quite, yeah, it would have been quite nice to see that, and I think that, obviously, we're you know, 30 years too late, so it's not going to happen now, but it would have been... We can make it happen. We should write Boney the movie. <laughs> <laughs> Let's give it a go. Um, but yeah, no, it's one of those like again as a child didn't give a shit. But now I quite wonder. I want to tell Boney's story. Yeah. <laughs> the more I think about it now, the more <laughs> the more I see this young valiant knight ride into the castle to vanquish the thing upstairs and just losing everything, getting locked in the trap. Get well, getting locked in the cellar with the trap, trap door. Yeah, and Burke just pottering around and watching him slowly waste away to the point where he eventually dies but he's cursed now because he's down there so he's just cursed he's just to spend the rest of eternity as a skull with this idiot as a companion copyright us that's yeah. the afternoon sorted Boney the movie yeah um, yeah so you had Drudge Boney M Boney the movie <laughs> there you go I can oh, see the poster now great big M with Boney written so above it that's how you show your age <laughs> Um, so we had Drutt, who was the um, the oversized spider. So 
even described as oversized spider. So he's not a regular spider. Okay. So he's kind of bigger than you. Or was that just tongue hanging out? Yeah. Do spiders even have tongues? Probably. The only, thing, the only thing spiders... Do spiders have to liquefy their food, though, so they can suck it up? Or am I, I making that venom, up? isn't it? Yeah, but I, I thought the venom liquefied the oh, food. Fuckers. Pretty sure if, like, spider venom, if they, if they bite you or, like, shoot better or whatever the fuck they do, I'm pretty sure it liquefies the food so that they can suck it up. I thought it was flies. Anyway. Pretty sure that's spiders as well. The only good bug's a dead bug. Um, so yeah, so um, Drat is Burke's pet. Now why the fuck does a monster need a pet? And why would we have a pet spider? Yeah, like of all the cool things... Yeah, of all get... the things he could have captured and tamed, a spider. Yeah. And a spider's probably more intelligent than him, let's be honest. Yeah. Um, so, um, often causes trouble when chasing after worms and other invaders that are passing the trapdoor in search thereof. So again, he kind of gets in there as well, causes a bit of chaos. He's very much like a little terrier. He's got very dog-like characteristics. Yeah, but again, that's kind of the way they painted it. Yeah. It's, it's, it's a small pet. Yeah. Um, often characterised as male, Drudge produces a litter of baby spiders in the show's second season. That's just fucking wrong. Spiders are bad enough baby spiders. <laughs> um, the voice of Drudge is that Nick Shipley, then proprietor of KPTV, who provided the editing services. So I don't know whether it was a case where they planned that or they went, somebody didn't turn up and they just went, fuck it, you'll yeah. do. You'll do. You do. Yeah. I mean, he doesn't, he just squeaks anyway. Yeah, he, he doesn't, doesn't do say anything. Yeah. Um, I mean, he was kind of an incidental character. He was always around, but he didn't really... He's just always in the background, yeah. yeah. Uh, and then we talked about the thing upstairs. Um, he's impatient, he's can't tell he's old, he's demanding, and he just shouts and screams a lot, doesn't leave the attic, and he orders Burke around. Um, I say it's not... His appearance is probably the most interesting thing when we've talked about already, but the fact that you cannot put a picture together of him, because if you, put, if you start constructing the bits you've seen, you end up with... God knows what. Some yeah, form of abomination yeah, some, with no well, yeah, torso. Frank and monster. Yeah, 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 wings in the back with heads and the mm. God knows. So yeah, so, I mean, it's, that's probably the most interesting thing about the thing upstairs. You don't really learn enough about the character. No. Um, but he isn't a character, really, is he? No. He's just, he's there. He's a plot thing, device. Really. Yeah. So yeah, it's, it's quite... Um, he's a plot device. He is the evil overlord. That's all he is. Yeah. But not really that, not really that evil because he doesn't really have that much agency in any of the stories. He doesn't. He's not. No, to get Burke, than, He doesn't do anything to him. Food to feed him. Yeah. Food. I don't for him. Burke to feed yeah. him. Um, yeah, he do, but he doesn't do anything to Burke. Yeah. So yeah, it's a bit of a bit of a non-entity really, but probably one of the most memorable things because he it's so because weird. you don't see him. Yeah. Yeah. Um, so yeah, loads of different monsters. Um, a couple of recurring ones. Uh, but generally, every episode we have a new monster coming through. Um, they're usually hostile. Um, every now and again, some are harmless. Uh, some are just a bit not clumsy yeah. and, and weird. Some are outright terrifying. Uh, so the big red thing, which we talked about earlier on, um, the recurring monster initially appeared in the first episode called Breakfast Time, uh, which emerges from the trapdoor, pursues Burke through the castle, ultimately flees back upon seeing its own reflection, so it scares itself. Which, you know, it's going to be pretty fucking ugly to do that. Yeah. Um, makes a later appearance in the episode Don't Open That Trapdoor, and seen in the final episode of the first season, Bye Bye Burke. And it wasn't seen again until the last episode um, of the season called The Big Red Thing, so had its own episode, um, which attacks Rog before exiting the castle. Burke and his colleagues watch as Rog and the Big Red Thing battle over the horizon, where Rog apparently dies, the Big Red Thing disappears. Uh, the Rod monster soon reappears and roars with the group as the episode ends, so leaves it open-ended. Yeah. Um, there's nothing to say they couldn't have come back, or it couldn't have gone and killed them all. Who knows? Maybe. Um... Rog was a large gorilla-like creature, as we said. Um, initially appears in the fourth episode, uh, Lurkings. Uh, somewhat unintelligent, he's fairly friendly towards Burke and the other residents of the castle. In the episode Junk Food, Burke initially dislikes him after Rog and Whitley gets him into trouble with the thing upstairs. So again, it's this childish, you know, this childlike yeah, yeah. thing of, I brought a friend around to play and he got me in trouble. Got me in trouble, yeah. Um, uh, the latter mistaking Rog for a poorly prepared dinner. So the thing upstairs tried eating. Rog ran away. And then Burke got in trouble for no, fast food. Um... Man confronting the bigger thing during the final episode, the bigger uh, episode, the bigger thing. Uh, Rog is pronounced dead as the credits roll before revealing himself to be alive in the aftermath. So yeah, didn't die after all. Um, we've got one called the Boobo, um, recurring monster that first appears in the episode Gourmet's Delight. Uh, he's initially invisible until he's covered in yellow substance, which oh, I remember this one. Yeah. yeah. Um, upon catching him, Burke inflates his body through a small hole in the top of his head before releasing him as he soars back down the trapdoor. So he's, he's a big balloon, basically. Yeah. yeah. Um, that's kind of insulting. That, uh, you, you're this big, scary, monster, invisible monster. You can do anything, but they cover you with customs and blow you up and let you let you go. Yeah, that's kind of kind of bad. Um, the episode Festa Rancid. Wow. 
Um, the boomer kidnaps Bernie and begins repeatedly hitting him with a stick beside a lake before he's tossed into the water by Burke. The boomer appears the last time in the episode, Scunge. Okay. Scunge. Let's just pause there. <laughs> That's spelled S-C-U-N-G-E. Um, where he returns to irritate Burke, was ultimately sent back down to Trapdoor by Rob. So he, he's kind of an annoyance more than anything yeah. else. And he's treated kind of badly. I'm hung up on Scunge now. Yeah. I'm Not f- a word I've ever heard before, but I can easily imagine what's being insinuated there. <laughs> yeah. And that's fucking gross. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, don't Google Scunge. S-E-U-N-G. I'm, I'm going to. Uh, God knows what's going to come up. Yeah. Um, then you had the Splund. Um, some of these names are incredible. <laughs> Splund. Um, a large round monster capable of teleportation. So, you know, a bit mystical, a bit magical, could be potentially quite dangerous. It's one of the few trapdoor creatures capable of speaking, doing so in a deep, demonic-sounding tone. It appeared in the episode Don't Open That Trapdoor, often singing along the lyrics of the theme song. Quite better, quite cool. Yeah. Um, in the episode The Splendid, it emerges from the trapdoor and begins terrorising Bonnie and Drudd by teleporting around and threatening to eat them. It was deflate, deflated, by, like, deflated by Burke like a balloon with an oversight so neat. Fucking balloons, man. Mm. Um, its voice was edited with a harmoniser, initially deepened when it spoke, but increasingly sporadically when it began laughing. So again, they, they actually tried with this monster to make it a bit more menacing. They, they, fiddled around, they fiddled around with its voice, with its look, just to make it a bit more, more scary and a bit more, uh, yeah. a bit more useful. And that's kind of it. I mean, you, those, those are the monsters they mentioned. And every, I say you had kind of skittery things and shadows, but they were never really named. And that was kind of it. So it was a very small um, actual group. It was, and I think, as I say, part of that might have been budgetary. Could have been. Because um, they didn't have to make so many models, and they could reuse stuff. Um, but moreover, as I say, there was just no real cause for it. The, no, the episodes right. were always the same. Something gets out, we run around for a bit, chase each other. You know, it's almost like cue yakety sacks at this point. Yeah. And they, they run back and forth a few screens. Eventually, Burke manages to tempt the thing back down the track. Yeah, or tricking it, it or it. pushing yeah. it or whatever, yeah. So, did you look up Scunge? Yeah. Um, it's it's nothing too particularly disgusting. It's an Australian word for essentially a scrounger. Oh, okay, that's disappointing. It's kind of disappointing, yeah. Yeah. Do better, Australia. Yeah, so seriously. For, for, for a country that uses cunt like full stops, do better. Yeah, I mean, it does also, then when you start doing it for some reason, it does also bring up clunge in the autocomplete, so... That's, yeah. Which more, is more where I thought it yeah, was going. Yeah, that's what I was expecting, I've got yeah. to be honest. Um, so, yeah, I mean, it's... it's it's quite good because you'd expect on a show like this, especially where the episodes were so short and they had so few episodes, they wouldn't really spend much time with the characters. The characters were actually quite well developed. The, 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 the For main what characters. they are, absolutely. And even the, the recurring monsters, they spend a bit of time actually doing some work with them and, and trying to mm. make something out of them as characters. Yeah. Um, especially the um, the big red thing and uh, Rock. Yeah. So it's, it's, it's quite interesting. And it's, the temptation is always you don't round these characters out, you make them caricatures and you never see them again. So yeah, they, they've done well there. I think that I again mean, for, for what they are, let's not get yeah, yeah. too ahead of us. There's nobody goes on a big life altering no, arc or anything. It, it's not Ulysses, but you know, it's yeah, yeah. for what it is, and that you can see kind of the evolution of that into things like creature comforts, where they're little snippets, little snippets yeah, of yeah. things. But again, there's enough in there to get a sense of the character and what, where they're coming from, and obviously the lot that comes from um, comes from the Arman connection to this. Yeah. So in terms of broadcasting then, um, in the UK, it originally aired in the mid-80s on ITV in the afternoon, uh, and later on Motormouth on Saturday mornings. Uh, the show was aired again in the 90s and broadcast on Channel 4 during early weekday mornings. Uh, it was repeated on tr- in 2005 on Trouble and in 2009 on Pop in the UK. In Australia, both series of Trapdoor were broadcast in 1991 and aired until 2001, so they really fucking loved it. Yeah, they yeah. kept it going long, far longer than we did. But I can I can see the humour translating as well to Australia better than it would translate to, say, maybe America yeah. or other places in Europe, because yeah. our sense of humour as a, as a culture, I think, is quite similar. Yeah, I mean, without wishing to start, I mean, we talked about sort of the, the, the atypical British humour of the time, that's a yeah. very nudge-nudge wink-wink. Australians are very very similar. It's all very crude what you can get away with. Yeah, yeah. Um, so yeah, I, can, I, I think you're right. I can see it in translating there very well. And the fact that ABC broadcast it for 10 years, yeah. um, that says quite a lot. Uh, it's been shown in most countries around the world. Um, show, it was aired in America um, by ABC. Um, doesn't, doesn't say where. ABC? Okay. So this is... So somewhere along the lines, Disney've got the rights to, <laughs> to Trapdoor. Basically, if, so if we write Boney the movie, <laughs> basically, if it's something that you watched as a child or as an adult or at any point in your life, Disney now fucking owns it. Yeah, more or less. Pretty much. Um, 
but yeah, you're right. So, I mean, a ABC broadcast it. I don't, I don't know who owns the rights to it now. Um, I can't. Again, I, I, I'm not sure. I mean, they would be syndicated. Cast rights. Yeah, yeah I mean, but... it's not. There were enough episodes, and it wasn't long enough for it to be worth syndicating in the states. No. Anyway, I mean, we talk, we've talked about the magic number of sixty. Yeah. Um, and no idea of that. Um, in Italy, it was broadcast on Junior TV. In Germany, it was broadcast on Super RTL. Um, wasn't RTL the one that did all the porn? No idea. I have no idea about such things. Yeah. Okay. Um, but yeah, so I mean, it 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 did travel fairly well, um, which again for the size of it, the scale of what it was, you know, it's, it's quite a, a big achievement. Yeah, I, I think not only did it travel well, as, as you mentioned earlier, like it merchandised well as well. People still have trapdoor t-shirts mm. and pencil cases. And, yeah, I mean, yeah. I, I was amazed to see no t-shirts. Yeah, because I mean, retro t-shirts now. Are, yeah, are they're a thing. thing. Yeah, um, but yeah, to see like pencil cases and stuff like that, and seeing these characters because a lot of stuff you look at stuff at drawn animation from the period it now looks fucking dated. Whereas this doesn't. This doesn't because it still looks like Ardman. It still I looks mean, like Claymation. It's the same argument as like if you look at CGI effects from 10 years ago, they look fucking dreadful. Yeah. Whereas if you look at a practical effect from the 80s, it still looks great because yeah. it's a practical, real thing. Yeah, I mean, um, you only have to look at sort of the, um, the original Star Wars trilogy and so sort of the, the models they used in that yeah. for, the, for the aircraft. They look a lot more convincing than the CGI ones from the prequel trilogy. Because they were all shiny and sparkly and CGI, whereas the others were models that got battered, yeah, and they could show damage, and they were just a lot more convincing, yeah. Because I say it's a practical effect. Somebody actually built that. Somebody built it, yeah. and somebody dropped the fucking things. So we had a dent on the side, yeah. It was supposed to be shot at, so we had some scorch marks on it where the lasers mm -hmm. nicked it. That sort of thing, whereas you don't get that where you see where you see it, yeah. unless you unless you go out of your way to do it, and that takes more time and takes more effort. You only do that if you're Pixar and you employ someone specifically well, that's to it. destroy the things that you've created. Yeah, your Pixar or your LucasArts because yeah. you've got the time yeah. and the money to do it. Um, but yeah, so it's, it, it's, it always holds up better if there's something tangible yeah, there. They, they, and, and because these characters are so big as well, they feel weighty and tangible. That, that's it. And yeah. I think the only thing that lets it down is obviously the broadcast quality. Yeah. Um, which you're not going to get away from that. No. Unfortunately. Um, but yeah, so we talked about... Uh, talking about um, Broadcasting so what is available on DVD, um, available on VHS as well. All 40 episodes released on four VHS tapes in the UK by Channel 5 Video. That's Channel 5, the video producer, not the not TV really, channel. Yeah, um, that's where all the porn is. Not anymore, they can't afford it. No, now it's all like you know, can't pay, we'll take it away, and you no know, traffic wardens unleashed. Yeah, yeah. Um, yeah so it was a, a digital TV was a godsend and a curse because now there are lots more channels to fill. So there's a lot more channels, but there's fuck all there's there's a lot more shit. A lot more shit. Um, so yeah, so all the all, all four episodes are available. Um, the four VHS tapes released in eighty six and eighty seven. So you had the first, no, they had ten episodes each, um, and then in the nineties thirty six episodes were re released over three videos. So I don't know where the, the last four would. Uh, yeah, it's a bit odd. The, the missing four episodes from each were Bye Bye Burke, What a Weirdo, Nasty Beastie, and The Big Red Thing. Don't know why. I know what was wrong with those ones, but they didn't make it onto the collections. Um, and then, obviously, you had the DVD releases, uh, which came in 2005 by Universal. So, I mean... Okay. Again, Universal probably picked it up and sent it out yeah. everywhere. So, I mean... Yeah, so... Um, it's, I say it's still widely available. I don't know how long it's been available on things like Prime and iTunes, but presumably it's been there for It's been on Prime long. for quite a while, yeah, yeah. yeah. Um, so, on top of that, you had games. You had a, a video game called The Trapdoor. Oh, uh, I love this Through game. the Trapdoor on the Spectrum. The Trapdoor game on the Spectrum just instantly takes me back to my childhood. It's yeah. one of those things where I can see screens from it. If, just... you, um, if you do a Google image search for The Trapdoor, um, one, uh, one of the ones on the top row is actually a, a still from the a screen grab from the game. Yeah. And you look at it, it looks like Pac-Man, but with monsters on it. Yeah. And you think, okay, yeah, that's... I that, remember that. That remember game, that. For, the, for the time, and I'll bear in mind, I suspect that the fucking graphics in that game were outstanding. Like, it had these really massive, big, chunky sprites. Yeah. And, of course, like, Spectrum had a really limited colour palette, but because Trapdoor worked in primary colours, yeah, exactly. it translated so fucking well. Yeah. I loved it. Yeah. Um, so, it was available on Spectrum, also the Amstrad CPC and the Commodore 64. So, again, widely available. It yeah. shows how popular this was, that they were willing to... to Make the FDA make it and then be put it out. Yeah, yeah. Um, I'm fairly sure it was one of the ones we take off the radio in the middle of the night on the spectrum. Yeah. Um, that's the kids stay moan about download, no, downloading games from the internet. Yeah, you will never, tapes. Yeah, yeah, you will never know the pain of, you know, of having to find somebody who knows when it's on to record it off the radio at 3 o'clock yeah. in the morning and then copying it in real time and have to listen to that. Yeah. That That's real suffering. Yeah. That and dial up. Yeah. Um, 
So on top of that, there was a board game entitled Burke's Trapdoor Game, which involved going around the board and trying to knock one's opponents over by launching one of four dice, each, each hidden beneath its own trapdoor and the uh, board central catapulting mechanism. So you're basically trying to shoot people off the path. Kind of kind of dealt really. Yeah. Not really a lot of points to that. Um, that said, if you find it on eBay, it might be worth a look. Probably a couple of pence to buy it. Like you'd be fucking surprised, dude. Old board, like a few times we've mentioned old board games on this podcast, and I thought, yeah, I'm gonna pick that up because yeah. we quite frequently hold board game nights. So I'd be like, yeah, I'll pick that, bring it along. They are fucking expensive. Well, man. that's I mean, board games in general because people don't play them anymore. Or pe- yeah. people, children don't play them anymore. They become more of an adult thing. They yeah, become yeah. more of a throwback. Um, no kids play fucking Candy Crush and Pokemon Go, and no, they don't really know what things are if they're not on the screen. Um, so yeah, I mean. Board games in general, they are more pricey now because they're not as mass produced, so they've got to meet their cost. Um, so yeah, I mean, we'll have a look for it. And we'll see if it's worth it. Um, if we find it, we'll stick a link up. And if you want to buy it, buy it. If you want to buy it for us and send it to us, email us and we'll tell you where to send it. Or you know, if you're reasonably local, give us a shout. We'll yeah, come we'll around and play it. it. Yeah, yeah, yeah. We'll, we'll give you a go. Um, so yeah, so, I mean, not masses of merchandise. I mean, we talked about some of the shows we've looked at. and look at things like uh, He-Man and Transformers and. They're everywhere. They're still everywhere. Stuff like this didn't have such a massive footprint, but forty years later, it's still yeah. doing you know, doing pretty well. Um, there are some pretty good references in pop culture. Um, the heavy metal band Hospital of Death recorded a song uh, entitled "Down the Hatch," which is all about the series. Nice. Um, the drum and bass group Chase and State has released the song "Trapdoor," which used the intro of the uh, the program. And my fa- personal favorite Australian psychedelic rock band King Gizzard and the Lizard Wizard released a song titled Trapdoor with obvious nods to the series um, yeah if you Wikipedia King Gizzard and the Lizard Wizard it's absolutely incredible okay so the Trapdoor board game is available on eBay yep uh, it looks shit yeah um, and currently it's going I've only found one copy it's going for £25 that's that yeah I, I don't, I'm not that curious no it looks absolutely shit well, if, if the aim of the game is to shoot dice out of a launcher and knock people off the path, that's kind of boring. Uh, the term launcher as well, this is literally like a tiny little seesaw mechanism where you hit one end and the dice jumps Oh, out. so it's a bit more skill involved then. It's not uh, like spring load yeah, and you yeah. kind of pop it out. Yeah. Okay. But you're essentially just going around a circular board until you, until you, until you off. land on a space that says try launching a dice. And then you knock some fucker off or you don't. Yeah. And presumably last man standing. Yeah. Yeah, that sounds shit. Yeah, not not the best by the look of it. No. So yeah, I mean that's Trapdoor's always been one of those. I've, I say, I remember it. I remember it fondly. Um, couldn't pick out individual episodes and say until having rewatched them, there were things I didn't remember. Yeah. Um, I didn't remember Drut at all. Didn't remember the worm, no, the little green worm. Yeah. Remember Boney. Remembered uh, Burke. Yes. Kind of it. You know, it was one of those that. It sits fondly because I remember, I remember at the time wanting to watch it, I remember liking it. I think I had a pair of like, kids' gloves you used to have where you had a, like a, a PVC or a vinyl character on, the, on yeah, the, yeah. The, the top of the hand and the palm were kind of gripped and the rest of it yeah. were one. I'm fairly sure I had a pair of Burke or Trapdoor gloves at one point. But beyond that, like I don't really remember masses about it. So having gone back to it and rewatched it, I was really pleased with how well it held up. I say some of them, some of the, you know, child-friendly smut and things like that. You kind of look at it and go, yeah, okay, I see what you did there. And reading it as an adult, going, okay, well, I can see why they've done that. I can see why they've yeah. chosen to do certain things. For me, it was a real eye-opener. Yeah. Yeah. I, I loved Trapdoor as a kid um, and, and part of that might be as much because of the game as the show, if I'm honest. Um, but I, I still loved it. It was a show I watched and some of the shows that we do on this podcast, we will go back and specifically watch because we know we've got an episode coming up. And otherwise, I may not have thought to watch them. Trapdoor is something that in recent years I have rewatched out of choice because I've seen it on Amazon Prime and I've gone, fucking hell, it's, it's Trapdoor. Door. So I've started watching it. Now, look, you, you're not going to sit down and binge this. As we've discussed, it's not geared that way. There's no overarching story. Well, if you wanted to, it's about 40 minutes. Yeah, it's a distraction at best. But these episodes are the perfect length. Like, take your phone into the bathroom and watch one while you're having a shit, yeah. to be honest. That, that, that's it. No, it's, it's, on, it's on YouTube. It's four minutes. What else are you going to do? They're great. They really are great. Um, they do hold up very well. The humour especially holds mm. up very well to adults. The animation is still 
just top notch for what it is. Yeah. It, it's claymation, but it's really high quality. That's, that's what it. it is. That's right. I think the only thing that lets it down for me is that's just the, the 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 quality of the the video itself. Yeah, and that, that's always going to happen. Yeah, the transfer is not great. Yeah, and, that, and that's always going to happen, especially from that sort of age. It would it would have been probably done on fairly low grade film anyway. Mm. So to then try and try and translate that and upscale that to digital at all, and then a digital that's capable, you know, that's right for DVD or right for a decent size yeah. screen. If you watch it on your phone, it's probably not that bad because it's a small screen. I think that's where we are with it now. Like with the length of them, they are perfect things. Like if you. Like okay, I joked about watching on the toilet, but like genuinely, if you've got five minutes to kill, if you're waiting for a bus, or if you, I don't know, whatever it is, if you've got a couple of minutes, yeah. you can watch an episode of Trapdoor, yeah, and you'll forget about it in another five minutes because it'll come and go and pass by you, but it'll give you five minutes of of fun, and it it is a you do get that feeling from it. Like I say, it is a warm, fuzzy show. It's like a great big hug going back and watching Trapdoor. Yeah, that's that's right. the best way I can describe it. That's yeah. certainly what I get from it. Yeah, that, that's pretty much spot on, I think, actually. So, yes, that's um, that's Trapdoor. Um, if you want to chat about it, we're always willing to chat. If you want to drop us a line, uh, we're at the Double Down Podcast Network on Facebook. We're at Pod on Twitter. Or you can go to our website, ddpodcast.net, where we've got this show, some of our previous episodes, our other shows, some partner shows, which are great as well, so check them out. Um, also, if you want to chat about Disney's Aladdin, which is our next show coming up soon, drop us a line on the same channels and we'll, uh, we'll get involved that way. But until next time, don't open that trap door. There's something down there. Creepy, crawly, slimy things that stick on to your